Hey, I'm Kevin Pettit. And I'm Martin Frazier. And we are Loud Americans Discussing Soccer, better known as Lads. Uh, Today is Tuesday, November 28th. Happy post-Thanksgiving to everybody. The holidays are here. And Martin, I will not be apologizing at all. Arsenal are top of the table, baby. In November. November. In November, to say the least. Look, I'm I'm just putting it out there. Stop the count. Stop the count. It's done. We're done. We're having a great time. Like We're going to get into the individual games for a second, but can we just take a millisecond, a moment, a second in time to appreciate? In November, we have the first through fifth place separated by four points. Oh, it's... We got a season. We got a season. I think it's Manchester City throwing games because they just want to say, hey, we're not, we are the underdogs, but fair. Kevin, Kevin De Bruyne, Kevin De Bruyne, actually very important to Man City and their who success. Would have known. Who um, would have thought? Everyone but, was saying it was Rodri who was the talisman, but really it may be the best midfielder we've seen in the past five years. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't um, know how that conversation started that Rodri is the heartbeat in the Manchester City midfield. But yeah, I think no, it's very clear good. as day. He's very good. No doubt about it. Great. Phenomenal. But yeah, uh, City is doing us a phenomenal favor by allowing everybody to compete right now. I'm having fun. You're having fun. Uh, City fans are probably having fun. So this is a feel-good season so far, bro. Yeah, it has the making to be one of the best. But for some clubs, points are hard to come by and some are deducted. So I think the best place to start with this is to talk about the penalty that has been struck down onto Everton Football Club. Uh, First of all, I just want to say, Toffees, I hope you're holding strong. I see a lot of you out protesting in the street saying how this is all hypocritical and fucking bullshit. And I think you are absolutely correct. But uh, essentially, I don't have the facts in front of me to give you the straight up uh, what was released from the Premier League. Uh, Martin, please fill in any blanks as I go. So essentially, uh, Everton have been struck 10 points, deducted 10 points. Um, because of an FFP violation, it was that they spent over, I believe, the limit of 19 million or something around there, 20 million on a certain player. Go it ahead. was it, it, a little bit, a little bit different and a little bit more nuanced than that. So, the way the Premier League is set up to protect their sustainability model, a club cannot post losses amounting to a certain figure over the course of three years so the um the figure in this instance was 350 million dollars you could not have more than 350 million pounds in losses over a three-year period in the course of the measurement in the course of all the audits the bookkeeping and everything they found the premier league found that everton's books were not balanced by eight million pounds so they technically, over a three-year period, they posted a loss of £358 million. The max limit by the Premier League is £350. So that £8 million difference is the cause of all of this. Wow. Okay. So, and essentially with this, uh, it's been reviewed uh, and essentially Everton are appealing this. The initial point deduction was 12 and then they changed it down to 10. Uh, very nice of them. Um, 
And currently, that's kind of where we are right now. Everton are appealing. The fans are protesting in the streets. They are also doing banners over the Etihad and, you know, saying how the Premier League is actually the corrupt ones and are very hypocritical. Now, let's get into the hypocrisy of this. As we can see, uh, Man City is a name that we will be bringing up a lot in this discussion as they have 115 FFP charges being brought against them at the moment. Um, Chelsea has had FFP from not only this ownership, but previous ownership. We also have, uh, I believe Man United was fined earlier in this year. No, for... we're okay. We're not part of this. No, no, no. I, no, or, no, no, no. I think there was like a, a little COVID one. It was like a COVID like fine, but it wasn't like anything majorly serious. Like you're not, I'm not, you guys aren't in a part of this. You're, you should be completely good. I think it was like a little book checking thing. I, I was going through the list of other clubs who have had other fines and stuff like that. It's nothing like Everton. It wasn't worth a point deductions thing. I think it was just like a minor, minor little fine. I, I, I really don't know. I, I have not seen. Any, oh, okay. July 14th. It was July like in the 14th, summer. Okay. July 14th. We, we were fined 300,000 um, uh, pounds for breaching UEFA's financial fair play role. Okay, so it's it's very fucking similar to um to uh Everton's. This is probably the closest yes. similar case. Um but we, it's also it's also similar because I believe you and Everton were both forthcoming. You both said yes. Yeah, this that's is what, what happened. And Everton this is did what this is Everton in this situation, I believe there was like 30,000 documents just in this one case. Um and essentially he just said, "Hey, we did this our bad." They they were fully admitting admitting to their uh, what they did. Yeah, and and it looks like you're you hit the nail on the head there, where both both United and and Everton came out and and you know did their own bookkeeping and and brought these uh, brought this evidence to the organization in charge. I think the reason Manchester United has kind of gotten away with it is because it's in UEFA, not Premier League. Um this is UEFA FPL um uh uh earnings for Manchester United and and obviously with Everton it is um handled by the Premier League. Um, so um I think at the end of the day your point still stands. We have a host of clubs in the Premier League, let alone worldwide that have clearly or absolutely violated some code of conduct, whether it's financial, sponsorship, um, youth transfers, or what have you. So for Manchester United, obviously, we just talked about it. For Everton, we we know about it. It's it's uh, posting a loss of, of an excess in £8 million. Um, for Manchester City, we know about it. 115 investigations lauded against them. Um, in addition to the 30 investigations that were appealed, um, in the UEFA. Um, same thing with Chelsea, both this administration and the previous administration, their books are all types of wonky. And the newest comer to the field of corruption, Newcastle, um, is also involved in a lot yes. of these investigations. So I think the the biggest thing, you know, from a human standpoint, from a fan standpoint, from, you know, idiots like me and Kev standpoint is we see all these other clubs. You know, you want to throw my club out there, you want to throw Manchester City, Chelsea out there, who have obviously and undoubtedly cooked their books more than Everton, have skirted the rules more than Everton, and they are just allowed free run of the Premier League. And Everton has been deducted 10 points, a shit 
bunch of fucking money and everything leads you to believe it ain't over yet. Everton's still going to face some punishment. So well, let's the start other off thing, with the hypocrisy. Well, one more thing, uh, just so we can stay with the Everton point, then we can move into the Man City, Chelsea kind of hypocrisy. And we're using them as the prime examples. And I'm sure Man City and Chelsea fans will say, well, every club does this. I'm like, no, they I they, they do not. That is just uh, a whataboutism that I'm not going to stand for. It is also very important to know that other clubs, not just the Premier League as a whole, are, I wouldn't say pissed. They're just trying to, you know, uh, they found this to be a reasonable way of punishing someone for doing something wrong. Other clubs are actually pissed, though, at them, such as Leicester, Leeds, and uh, I think even Burnley. Burnley, I think also Forest, for some reason, is also pissed about this. Yes, you're right. You're right. Um, Because... uh, because they have this extra money that could help Everton stay up in the league does allow them to spend more money on players that then those players will help them play better, get more points. And within the past two seasons, we've seen Everton by the skin of their teeth. And especially last season, barely make it out of being relegated. So being relegated uh, in this day and age costs the club hundreds of millions of dollars. So to, to Leeds, to Leicester, to Southampton, to all these clubs, apparently Nottingham forest, they're saying, what the fuck? They got an a uh I, I don't know if I would say tactical, but a monetary uh advantage over these other clubs who did it right. Like we did everything right, and these guys, you know, got to stay up in the Premier League and they have all the TV right money, they got all the sponsor money, they got all the whatever, you know. Um, so that's also another little thing in here where all these clubs so this could really I just don't I don't want to snowball how bad this could be for Everton. Everton could be relegated. We'll get to that if we think we'll stay up or not. But this could really snowball Martin where they're being sued by all these clubs for hundreds of millions. They're going to lose so much money if they do get relegated and they have a new stadium. That's yeah. so much money. This could financially ruin the club for years. That could just be me going full apocalypse mode, but um But it's not. I mean, look at Derby, look at Portsmouth, look at yeah. the last two two clubs Black, that Blackburn. Yeah, look at the last three clubs that faced a a point deduction and and a fiscal responsibility for their fuck ups. Um Derby is in League One right now. Portsmouth is in League Two right now. Portsmouth was in League Three for years. You know, if 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 the hammer comes down and it's worst case scenario for Everton, you know, let's let's toss away all the facts, all the emotions, and just assume it's going to be worst case for, scenario for Everton. They're looking at a five year project at the very least to come back into the Premier League, and you know, obviously. I don't view this as a fault of the team. I view this as a fault of ownership. And while I do believe there has to be some type of punishment for cooking books or missing profit figures, I don't think you can villainize a team for this. I think that we have to to move our goal line, so to speak, and target somebody else. Because it wasn't the players who did this. It wasn't the fans who did this. It wasn't the technical staff. It wasn't the manager. It wasn't the custodial staff. It was the owners at the end of the fucking day. Do you think a punishment could be to make them sell the team? Absolutely. And and that's 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 the punishment I would stand by. And you know, I, I just talked about um two other examples, Portsmouth and Derby. If you look who their ownership was at the time of their cooked books, their miscalculations, whatever you want to call it, they're gone now. 
once that ship starts to go, the owner's going to fuck off, sell that club and make some money and go over to somebody else. So at the end of the day, the only people that are actually punishment punished are the teams and the fans um, with the owners kind of running off the hook. So I, I do not I do not like the current punishment system that we do have while while totally encouraging punishment at the same time. I just think we have to find that happy medium. And obviously, Everton's situation, Everton's predicament is very much so different than Newcastle's predicament. Very much so different than uh, City's or Chelsea's predicament. I think of all of the flagrant corruption in the Premier League, Everton is the biggest fucking small small fish you can find. You know, it's kind of funny that they, we we missed <laughs> the profit. We lost three hundred and fifty eight million dollars and you guys are punishing us by fining us and deducting points. What the fuck? No, I'm just I, I, it's fucked up for me to laugh. But I do think it is rather hilarious that out of Man City, 115 charges, Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. We just look up. Just look at their summer trans. It's fucking ridiculous. And yeah. then New, Newcastle is a state sponsored club. Like it's yeah. there's there's. All sorts of like fuckery yeah. going on in the Premier League, and then they're just like uh, get fucked, Everton. <laughs> and, and I'm sorry if you're an Everton fan, you're probably like fuck you guys, but like you also have to be like the absurdity of this. And now we get into the hypocrisy of this. Yeah, is astounding when Man City, who has 115 charges, and people will say, well, the the difference is here. The main one is that Man City has said they've done none wrong, no wrongdoing. Everton fully came clean, and Man City said they have. No, done no wrongdoing. And also, Man City has the legal capabilities to make this shit go on forever. Everton does not have the resources to do what Man City does. Man City has more money than God. I'm sorry. And what they're able to do is say like, oh, you want to investigate us for this one charge? Well, here you got to take all these papers and go through all of them thoroughly. Here's 100,000 documents on this one charge. And this Everton charge took what? years to investigate just one thing and for man city or chelsea or any of this these guys have so much money that they can do the bureaucracy bullshit that we dealt with when we were paralegals where you know we'll do uh when we're in the discovery phase so they're going to keep the interrogatories dude that still keeps me up at night yeah i don't fuck our interrogatories god damn it i don't even want to talk about motions and limine and any of that stuff. Um, but this is what this is a great thing that defenses will do that we dealt with as paralegals. And it got, obviously, we are not on the level of the thousands of lawyers that Man City and Chelsea have combined, probably. What I'm trying to say is they're going to keep this in limbo forever until the cows come home. They will keep them because they can fund as much shit as they want and keep bullshitting. And, bull- and lawyers, let me tell you, they are great at bullshitting even though they know they don't have a case. Um, let me let me just jump in real quick. So Kev just told you, you know, the, the fucking full story of how teams like City, Chelsea, um, hell, you know, if, if Arsenal or, or Manchester United or Liverpool did anything bad, you could throw them up in that echelon as well. He just told you how, how fucking being very rich and powerful and successful gets you away with um, undoubtable illegal actions um i i want to take it a step further and look at the governing body um you know obviously if you listen to this uh podcast you'll hear kevin and i talk about the blatant corruption that is in the fifa organization the champions league organization and the premier league organization 
Um, and I think, you know, what Kev just said about Manchester City hits the point on the head. Um, we have, without a doubt in our mind, with all the evidence in front of us, two teams, and I'm going to limit it to two teams here, um, Newcastle and Manchester City, where where that book, those books are not fucking legal. That ownership is not fucking clear legal as day. But because of the ownership in the Premier League, in the Premier League governing body, we will not see those two teams um, being deducted points, even though we have now set a precedent with Everton that if you go over your books by only $8 million, you get a 10-point deduction. Fucking Newcastle and Manchester City. Manchester City has fucking five years of going over their books. Newcastle, there is no fucking way they go from Mike Ashley to their new Saudi owner, and they are not going over their books. We have that evidence in front of us. But that will never be punished because the uh, the governing body of the the Premier League came out and said this is a specific punishment for Everton. That was that was the exact words. This is not mm. a precedent. This is not a pattern. This is a specific punishment for Everton. So I, I just want to take a second to understand what that means. That we have decided as a governing agency to punish Everton for this um, alleged discrepancy in their books. But we cannot use this punishment as a precedent for any other fucking teams. I don't know, man. I, I've lived in America for 30 fucking years. I'm pretty <laughs> sure all of our fucking laws are based on precedent. And so the way I look at this whole shitstorm is we have decided to make a scapegoat. And it's Everton. We're this not going to punish funny. anybody it's else. It's very funny that they're the scapegoat. I'm sorry. It's I'm sorry. really unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. It's like they literally took like uh, all the Premier League teams, besides the big six and Newcastle, took them off the board and just threw a dart at one of them. For real. For real. Because and they were like, everybody ah. does this shit. They're like, ah, Everton, just the dart landed on you this time. Um yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people coming out that saying because of this, though, that there will be a precedent, though. What are you, I, I that Chelsea and Man City that there is a real possibility of them getting relegated? I That's, think that that I think I you're living in a fantasy world. I don't absolutely like. No, we, but serious people. How that long I has it been? How serious? long has it been since we have known about the investigations against Manchester City? I'm not talking about the the um, Premier League one. The Champions League investigation into Manchester City. When did that start? 2017? 2016? Maybe even earlier? Probably. I mean, they're saying that this shit goes back to Pellegrini and before. Like, I don't... Yeah. Yeah. That they were, like, giving Pellegrini money that were off the book. Like, there's there's so much shit that goes back, not just within the past couple years. It goes back 10 years, a decade. Mm -hmm. And I think those years, those years, 10 years ago and earlier, those are the formative years. You take away those years from Manchester City, Manchester City is not Manchester City. The reason Manchester City is the tour de force they, that they are today is because of the shady fucking bookkeeping they did to get you there. And for any Manchester City fan to say alternatively, 
you have two options. You're living in a vacuum and you don't care about the blatant corruption. Totally fine. That's your choice. Or you are willfully ignoring the corruption. Again, totally fine. That's your choice. But, I just watch them play the game, man. I don't. Yeah, I don't yeah. look at anything stuff. And also, that's totally cool. But like, you can't. You you have to understand why all of us from other clubs are like, get fucked, me. Like, are you fucking serious? Um, I don't know. I just, I when I hear people saying that they seriously think Chelsea and Man City are going to get relegated, and they are, they won't. Seri- they won't seri- ever. Oh, oh. Uh, the other point that's been made about this whole thing is say Man City and Chelsea or whoever it might be uh, do come out and uh, are not only charged, but convicted of all these allegations. Um, should there be any silverware stripping? And I say no, because then it's kind of like that. That's kind of weird. Like, I don't, I, I, I agree for that point only. It'd be weird. Don't, don't strip the title. Like the players still won those. Like the players. Yeah, exactly. Still- exactly. Exactly. And, and I'll tell you the fuck what, two years ago, Manchester United finished second. If they strip Manchester city's title and give that title to us, you it won't can mean bet anything. Your sweet ass. That shit won't mean a goddamn thing. And we're exactly. going to be like, exactly. Our, our, like, so like if Arsenal were given the title for last year, yeah. I don't want, I don't, like, I don't want that shit. Fuck it, no. It wasn't earned. We didn't exactly. do it. And we have to live with that, that we fucking blew it. <laughs> and and, and I'll, I'll tell you what, the only thing that makes sense, if y'all want to talk about title stripping and all that shit, put an asterisk by it. Just like the 2019 Houston Astros. They were all in juice. We all know that shit. Put the trash can, the, the, the trash cans banging or whatever. Yeah. Oh shit! It wasn't juice. That's right. It was. It was. That was like the nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. Mario. Sorry, juice has been fucking resolved for a while. Unless sure, you I'm, are I'm, in the UFC, the UFC just got rid of the USADA, so you can juice up in the UFC. No the UFC is about to be fucking the tits, brother. Dude. You you remember Brock Lesnar, brother? Brock Lesnar is uh. about to come back. Dude, Brock Lesnar was a beast, man. Dude, Brock Lesnar was the scariest person I've ever seen in my entire fucking life. <laughs> yeah. I get, like, TikToks of, like, UFC stuff sometime, and uh, there was, like, a video of someone making fun of him. He's like, look at me. I'm a WWE guy. And then he went into the ring and, like, literally beat the... You probably know the name of the guy, but, like, he went in and just beat the fucking shit out of him. And he's like... Have oh, you, you ever think seen be- his sword? That goes from his it's neck the, it, to it's his a, belly button. It's like the fucking brass knuckle sword or whatever. Like, yeah, that he has, uh, or like knife. It's like a brass knuckle knife. It's really, really scary. Um, but I don't know. I think I don't think you should go for stripping silverware at all. I think that would just be a real shame. Uh, and it just like like I was saying before, Arsenal getting the title wouldn't mean anything. I think Inter would be like, cool, we didn't earn this Champions League. It was given to us. I don't know. I just think that it just uh, wouldn't feel the same. Same if, like, Chelsea's Champions League was taken away uh, against Man City. And then that would be really funny, though, Martin, if, like, Chelsea gets stripped of their Champions League, but then it's given to Man City, but Man City's stripped of theirs, and, like, they still end up with the Champions League somehow. (laughs) It'd It'd go to Porto. Isn't that the last team that uh, Manchester City played in that oh. uh, year? <laughs> FC so, Porto so would that's win That's actually, it. this is a great hypothetical. So when Chelsea and Man City played each other, if they're both not eligible for it, would the teams that were in the semifinals play each other for it? That's No, fun. because there's already, oh shit, correct me if I'm wrong. But or would in, it be the team with the best 
point differential or goal differential would get it in third? So the the way I'm thinking about it is um, World Cup. So you know in the World Cups or the Euros or what have you, the third and fourth, the losers of the semifinals play each other for the third place game? Yes. I would reckon that the victor of the third place game would be the Champions League winner. But, you know, it, it kind of goes back to what Kevin and I you know said at the at the top of this shit. You know, I'm we're not after stripping titles. They, no, they, no. They they deserved that shit. But what I am after is accountability. Because, you know, we talked about this. Manchester City fans say, hey, who the fuck cares? We're winning, baby. Who the fuck cares? Everybody spends money, baby. So I want accountability on that. I want accountability on the cheating. I want there to be an asterisk by these Champions League winners, by these Premier League winners, that there have been blatant cheating in a fiscal standpoint to say, hey, look, they won, they deserve to win, but the reason they have that team is because it was cheating. That's it. That's all I am fucking looking for. I'm not looking for title stripping. I'm not looking to send them into relegation. I am. That would be cool. It won't happen. It would be awesome. It would be fucking great, but that's a pipe dream. I'm not even going to get into it. All I want is fucking the admittance that your team was created through total and absolute fiscal cheating. That's all I want. From Newcastle to Chelsea to City. That's all I want. But like, if we know it, then should is it, I I totally agree. It would be great if that all came out and it was like, yeah, you guys are all bullshit. But but we kind of already know that though, right? Like we, we know do, that. but it's we need it not, written down. We need it. We need in, it written down. We need we it need written it. down. We need that actual asterisk by the title years because that's the only thing that's going to stand the test of time. Because look, ten years from now, the kids that are watching now they ain't gonna fucking care. They ain't gonna fucking know that city fucking cooked them books that they are a state team of abu dhabi they ain't gonna know that's fine i want the history books to say hey look guys the only reason they're fucking good is because abu dhabi bought them and then pumped money into we can look back and okay yeah um all right i think we'll be covering this some more as more stuff starts to come out martin and uh i think that was pretty we spent a good chunk on that and i feel like we kind of went i think it was an important chunk i think we you know, yeah. Kev, we have been that us. fucking uh, <laughs> conspiracy hashtag money out kind of podcast for the last five years. And, you know, this is a little bit of validation. Like Kevin and I were finally seeing the facts come to fold. Hey, we've been following the Premier League since Manchester City got good. Let's question why they got good. I know we're like uh, all the president's men. We've been like the on the uh, Nixon Watergate for years. We're like, we got to follow the money, follow the money. Um, uh, what a phenomenal pre- documentary series, by the way. Oh, all the presidents, man, that's a movie. Mm-hmm. I know. I know, but it's, oh, it's but like the life. event, but the, the document. Oh yeah, it is. Sorry. Pretty, not a documentary series, a, a retelling of the event drama. through a movie. Yes. Yeah. Historical drama. Dustin Hoffman. So hot. Um, Speaking Ooh. of Everton's Ooh. woes, I guess we can uh, just start and actually recap this weekend's matches with Everton losing 3-0 to Manchester United. Uh, before we started this pod, Martin is making some obscene gestures. I can't exactly uh, 
illustrate to you guys uh, if you want. Um, you had a hot take before we started the pod, and I don't think it's hot <laughs> at all. Um, that that Garnacho goal, would you like to say what you told me? All right. So, yeah, diggity doggity. If you know about phones or the internet, y'all have seen this goal. Um, Garnacho, I think it was in the 19th minute. Um, you know, Dallow got the ball out on on the uh, right flank and over hit across to the back post. And if you have seen anything in the Premier League history vault, you have seen Wayne Rooney's bicycle kick against Manchester City circa 2013. Um, well, Garnacho just did that against Everton. And I shit you not, um, I scared the cat. I scared the dog. I scared my wife. I got a lecture from my wife about why I shouldn't scream during games afterwards. But my godly goodness, Kevin, that was the goal of the season. The season, the year, maybe over the past three years, a perfect, a perfect bicycle kick from about 16 yards out. Um, perfect by- to, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, show off to his idol Ronaldo. He literally was just like, he literally posted to his story, like a side-by-side of uh, one of Ronaldo's bicycle kicks in the Champions League. Um, I believe it was the one against Juventus. No, 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 Mm -hmm. not not Juventus. Um, Was it Bayern, that Champion League, uh, where he did the 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 most The most recent fucking brilliant one, that was against Juventus, where the whole fucking stadium stood up and clapped, even though he was playing away. That was Juventus. Yeah. Um, and and I mean it was the goal's goal. Um, hmm. you know, I don't I don't I don't know, I don't care if you are a Manchester United fan or not, but I struggle to find another goal this season that's even gonna compete against that. That is the beauty of soccer right there. Yeah, um, no, I mean that was the absolute stunner of the season so far. Yeah. Um and I don't know, man. It it was uh we're going to get into how VAR was such bullshit throughout this entire day, but God, uh, VAR is just getting on my last nerve. And the fact that it took so long to review fucking everything in that, uh, just super, super fucking annoying. But what'd you make of the overall performance? You got a Martial or Rashford penalty. I know things have been kind of like, I wouldn't say topsy turvy at United, but you know, it's United. So the spotlight's always going to be on them. They're always going to have, uh, scrutiny, even when they're doing well. Um, three nil victory against a uh, already beaten down Everton squad from the point deduction. You know, it's it's nice to score goals, right? Yeah, I, I told our friend this, our our Everton fan friend, um, Jugs, this before the game. You know, I, I I would rather be any other team but Everton right now. Like I, I am one hundred percent team Everton. But I'll tell you the fuck what. This was a feel-good game. My first feel-good game of the season. We have won eight games in the Premier League so far this season. Seven of those games have been 1-0 victories. So to go out and put a fucking dumping a beating on Everton, that feels good for me. However... Can I tell you something real quick? I'm so sorry. Hit me, baby. Hit me. (laughs) 
I, I've seen the meme, and I think I've even posted this on our Instagram follow at last podcast. Um, that Everton with the point deduction are still ahead of Burnley. That's Dude, so. How the fuck is company not fired? Like I, I was saving that. I was saving that, but that's some <laughs> bullshit. That company still has a job. The, they have four points in a minus twenty-two goal differential. To be uh-huh. fair, have you seen our goal differential in sixth place and fifth place? We it's are zero, sitting at zero. We are back to zero, baby. We are uh, the only ones with zero, other than I think it might be Brighton, um, who also has zero in the top ten. Um, they so have, uh, they have five. They have five. There's West West Ham. West Ham has that's zero. It. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Holy it's shit! Sheffield, Sheffield's even fucking worse. They have minus twenty three, and they're. One point above Everton. Everton's not getting relegated, man. These teams are so No, they're bad. not. The only thing is Lutton and Bournemouth won this weekend. Holy shit. I got to piss. Kevin, please. I will I, I, I will riff. I will riff for you. No worries. Um, I don't know. I, I am very much impressed by this Manchester United squad at the moment. But it is a lonely Everton squad. Uh, Bruno Fernandez, absolutely incredible for performance. Obviously, man of the match. Um, just able to dissect that just fine midfield for Everton. I mean, Jack Harrison, Dwight McNeil. Uh, I like Gay, Garner, fine. But, I mean, they they really just don't. They have quality that will probably not get them relegated, um, even with this point deduction, because Burnley, Luton, and Sheffield are just that bad. But as Martin was saying before he ran to piss, Luton getting a critical win this weekend against Crystal Palace has kind of just thrown a wrench into their whole situation. Um, the next match I'd like to get to is also the other Sunday match, is the Tottenham Aston Villa match. Um I see Martin returning, so I'm going to loop him in as he comes back on. Martin, you are back. I just got to introducing the Tottenham Aston Villa match. Oh, oh, dude, I'll tell you what. Two of my favorite teams to watch so far this season, Tottenham and Aston Villa. Um, I apologize to the crew, to the fans, to everybody involved. <laughs> I broke my seal way too early. So I do now... sometimes think we need like a third person, not like to talk on the show, but like a producer in case someone like <laughs> leaves. So we can be like, hey, hey, hop in, hop in. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree because I, I before the podcast, I thought to myself, I was like, I don't need to piss, but I'm going to piss anyway just to get it out of my system. So I broke the seal way too early. Then I've already had another beer and a half a glass of whiskey. And oh, good man. lord, that piss is this, coming this all pod. This pod gets everything. We get piss talk on the pod. We get uh to be fair, we prefaced the podcast with an hour long catch up before this. So I've been I know, for yeah, an hour I think and I, a half I, now. People <laughs> don't know like our process that we have to talk and like catch up on life for the first hour. Um, that's never in the pod because some of the stuff probably should not be included in the pod. <laughs> but um, okay, Tottenham, Aston Villa, Tottenham lose to Unai Emery, baby, in the top four, just two points behind league leaders, Arsenal Football Club, his former club. Um, I mean, at this point, like, he's manager of the year. It's not even fucking close. Like, I think he's got to be. He's got to fucking be. Who 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 else be in the candidate? Maybe Arteta, maybe Pepper Big Klopp. Ange, but oh, wait, Big oh, Ange sorry, just got sorry. beat. 
three three consecutive losses after mm-hmm. what is you know mm-hmm. uh an unbelievable start to this Tottenham side that has been ravaged by injuries. That's the thing that we were all worried about with this Tottenham side was death. And no Madison, no Vanderven, um, no uh uh Sissoko, no, you know. Those are just three names, but I think Madison is the obvious one that is, you can just feel this squad is just not running the same. Yeah. So I, I think it's about 50 50 on, on both ends. Um, you know, the second half of that uh, Tottenham Villa game, Tottenham was knocking on the door for a good 35 minutes, as well as playing a man down. So I, I, I you know, obviously three losses on the head is hard to fucking credit anything but with the decimation to the squad based on injuries as well as the football they're actually playing on the pitch you know this Tottenham squad doesn't look bad it doesn't look uh like it's a catastrophe yet it just looks like they're going through a hard fucking run with a depleted squad right now obviously they are still um three points off the top right now so I think you know, for for a fucking top four game, Tottenham versus Aston Villa, this was fucking a great game. I think I marked that, it on my calendar. I was like, I'm not missing this one. This is yeah. Be- you know, it's one of those surprise games. Like you would have never thought last year Tottenham and Villa was going to be a fucking great game. But Ugh. this year, at the beginning of this year, you already know, hey, fucking big Ange has Tottenham firing on all cylinders. The vamp has fucking Villa firing on all cylinders. And I will say, I will say my only, only, only problem with this fucking game is the refereeing once again. Yeah. And I, I fucking despise that Kevin, every single game has a moment in the game that could have changed the entire landscape of the game. Um, Douglas Louise got purposely elbowed by, I think, Poro Poro or, um, the midfielder, Pierre Emmerich, not Aubameyang, Emil Huisberg. Um, Well, one of the Tottenham players elbowed the shit out of Douglas Louise in the Tottenham box. It's a penalty clear as fucking day, but it wasn't given. And that is my only lamentation about this game. Still won. Still won, but shit. We gotta be better from a refereeing standpoint. It just breaks my fucking heart because it, it, you know, I just said it. There isn't a game that goes past where the game has not been affected by the referee, either good or bad. And it's just yeah, taking away. Especially in the Man City Liverpool game, that was ridiculous. There were so many weird things with there. Like, can't you, you can't just sniff a goalkeeper anymore. Can't get up yeah. on him and like yeah. even even look at him without being called for a foul. Um, the the fucking asking for yellow cards, which is an automatic yellow card nowadays, is pissing me the fuck off. Like I get it. Let's crack down on dissent, but we can't be yet yellow carding players for asking for a yellow card. Like, where do we draw the line? And this was another example of it. I mean, everybody who's played soccer before recognizes that a purposeful elbow to the head is a penalty. It wasn't given this game because I don't know, Kevin. And that's what I'm getting to. I don't know why some of these calls are given and why some of these calls aren't given. Other than what happened three weeks ago to Manchester United. Subjective offsides. Subjective foul calls. 
we are now in a land of emotions where nothing is going to be constant. Nothing's going to be consistent. It's going to change game to game. And we're just going to keep bitching about it. Yeah. Uh, honestly, more chaos, more English refs, more just subjective yellow, subjective penalties, subjective offside, whatever. Offside is not subjective. It, there is a line. There is a it's just uh, just. Have you me... seen the uh, new Orson Wenger offsides rule? Oh, is it that um, any part of it's it's that the it has to be the entire player for it to be offside? Is that it or something? It's weird. So they're for me, if I was in charge, I would say it's by feet. Whoever's foot is in front of yeah. the other person's foot, that'd be offsides or onsides. That that'd be it. So the newest way of telling if you're onsides or not is by feet and knees. I don't fucking know. So you can be completely ahead of a defender, but you're you started behind his knees and that's considered off on sides now so I, I i swear i feel like we're complicating it even more even though the layman's answer is go by feet that's the easiest thing to fucking measure yeah i i don't know man that's funny you bring up arson wanger i was at the eagles tailgate this weekend and i met another soccer fan there and it's like this older like uh dude and he was like oh so you're an arsenal fan how'd you feel about arson wanger leaving and i was like what <laughs> it was just like he like totally threw me off guard because then I started getting like emotional. I was like, uh, well, sorry. Um, I love I mean, him. I fucking I mean, love him. It's, 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 it's when I became an Arsenal fan, like obviously, like he was the manager, like back in like the 2010s, like mid 2010s or whatever. Um, oh, early and, 2010s. Yeah. And that's all I knew. Like, I mean, obviously, he's the manager since the 90s, but when I became a fan, that's, you know, I didn't get to see the Invincibles or the early 90s. I didn't get to see. Well, you, you are a good fan. So you did your. I did my research. I, I, be, yeah, I became. You read books. You watched. I did my historian. You watched full season. watched documentaries. You, you are yeah. what a fan should be. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I need that for my ego. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I you. I'll stroke your ego all day uh, long, baby boy. Uh, please don't stop. I'm right there. Um, and. Uh, no, it was really funny because I was just like, yeah, like I really when he beat Antonio Conte in the FA Cup, I feel, I think he should have left. And the fact that he was still able to keep a, I'm not doing my whole Arsene Wenger legacy talk right now, but I'm trying to tell you what I said to this guy in the moment. It really got to me. I was like really kind of choked up for a moment. And I was like, fuck, like he just it, it's so weird because now it's been he left in 2014. Eight? No, 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 no. He was still coaching. God, when Jesus. Yeah. Sorry. Jesus. I think he left in 20. I knew better than that. 2014 20, is when he should have left. Uh, pro, I mean, when he won his last FA Cup against Antonio Conte. So I think he left in 2018. Um, which is not that long ago, um, if you think about it. Because um, Arteta has been there now four years, three years, three years. And then Unai was there for like a year. So I don't have the timeline right in front of me. I think he's been gone about six or five years or whatever. Um, man, I do. I do miss him sometimes a lot i just the fact that he was able to do what he was able to do with that if you look back at some of those squads he had man it was fucking dog shit we had such dog shit squads and i love all those players i love francis cocklin even though he was not a good midfielder for us it's you know does he uh, still play ball i think he's in lagoon i think he's in france oh okay yeah sorry i forgot about that league <clears throat> dude what but, the fuck with these fruit flies wanting my whiskey sorry a total okay. aside. No, no, I, I, 
total aside, I just went on a whole total aside. Um, the next match I'd like to talk about, though, Martin, uh, is the ass whooping, the shit pumping by Newcastle on Chelsea. 4 1 victory to the Magpies. Absolutely just tore them apart. A game for Reese James to never remember. And if you're like a like a Trent fan or another like uh English, you know, there's all the debates about who's the best, you know, uh right back, left like whatever, wing back in the league. A lot of people say Reese James because of his defending and attacking uh abilities. Um definitely a day for Reese James to forget. Yeah. Um, you know, I I, I think this was just after halftime for Chelsea, a, a hell game for them. Um, you know, I, I think there were a lot of individuals on Chelsea that played extraordinarily during that game. Reese James, I thought he had a phenomenal fucking game. But he made two mistakes. And unfortunately, both of those mistakes were stupid, stupid, stupid mistakes. One of the mistakes was him kicking a ball away on a foul. Um, you're going to get yellow carded in this day and age. If you kick a ball away after there's been a foul, you're going to get yellow carded. And that's how he got his first yellow card. The second yellow card, look, if they play that in slow-mo or on replay at any other moment during the game and you don't have a yellow card, you're not going to get another yellow card. But, but... you have to have, <laughs> you have to fucking have the mental awareness that i'm on a yellow card i shouldn't wrap up a player sprinting down the sideline to nowhere he was going fucking nowhere and that's how he got his second yellow card so i i think you know i i go back to this chelsea squad i think that they they are in a lot less trouble than people think that they are in i think a lot of their losses have been based on individual mistakes rather than the tactical accoutrement like collective um, whole. Okay. Exactly. And I think, but at the same point, on the same side of the court. They are 10th. Yeah, they are 10th. And there have been a lot of struggles, especially in the back line, especially in the goalkeeper situation. Um, I Diago think, Silva will, yeah. have a, will have a world-class game. It's almost you got to play him like every three games. That's how you got to do it. That's how you have to do it. And, you know, like with Terry at the end, they would bring in Terry, you know, once in a while, you know, for the the people, for the people, for that mental edge. And I, I, I totally agree with that where Terry was not a starter, but he was that person you sent in in the 60th minute to put the fear in God in the attackers. Yeah. I mean, his, uh, his situational awareness was some of the, best i've ever seen and i only and got I to re- don't see that in tiago i do not see his positional awareness being heightened in his old age he's still very t- physically gifted yes. for his age which yes. is like insane to yes. be. he's a, he's a legitimate defender at his age but he hasn't picked up on the experience that rio fernand john terry uh nemanja vidic hell even um uh uh john stones at this point where you don't have to be the best. You don't have to be the strongest, the fastest, the smartest. You just have to be in the right place. And it feels mm. to me that Tiago Silva is not in the right place mm. more often than he is. A Tony um, Adams, someone said. I'm just kidding. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But, uh, uh, you know, this is one of those games, though, where it feels like the Chelsea season. Like, I, I'm not going to write off Chelsea. I guarantee you they still finish top eight. 
maybe even top six. I I still put money Ooh. on this day that they're going to finish in the top six. I really do. Who are, who are they beating out though? So currently, Brighton, the, okay, Villa, let me, Brighton not, and Villa. You you have Villa over Chelsea? No, I have Chelsea over Villa. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You have Chelsea over Villa. No, absolutely not. In 38 not. games, yeah. In 38 games, yeah. There's no there's no way they can make up that many points. Villa is at 28, and they're Chelsea sitting at 16. There's a 12. Dude, look at Manchester United. Manchester United, this is our fucking historic worst year ever. We're fucking six points behind the title leaders. Everybody is kind of being a little shit this year. I totally see. I think we're being pretty good. Arsenal's been pretty good, but Arsenal's <laughs> being pretty good. Okay, okay. Liverpool not that great. <laughs> City not that fucking great. Um, Newcastle, uh, what I expected, not that great, but good. Um, Brighton, what I expected, not that good, but good. Uh, Aston Villa, good, not great. Manchester United, we'll get there. We're gonna end up in the top four. I don't. Um, I. Uh... I don't know, man. I mean, Tottenham's slipping and they have the injuries. So I can see Tottenham possibly slipping out because of the injuries. I see um, Villa and New. I'm, I'm sorry. I see Villa and Newcastle and Tottenham slipping out. And I don't Brighton. know, dude. I don't think Brighton. I don't know. Here we haven't stay. even given Newcastle their flowers for this game yet, man. They've been unbelievable in their attack. Isak has been unbelievable. Anthony Gordon has been unbelievable for him. He was the man of the match. Goal and assist. Was he really the man of the match? He was. Damn, I thought Bruno was. Bruno, I'll tell you the fuck what. Is he not a top three midfielder in the league uh, right now? Top five. Top. Come on, give me top five. Hold, definitely... hold, hold on, give me a second, brother. Hold on. He's doing better than Odegaard right now. I see that. That was my main fucking thing. That was my main. That was my point of comparison. I give him top ten. I'll give him top ten. Oh, I think that's harsh. I think top five. I think Rodrigo's better than him. I think Bruno's better than him. My Bruno, not his Bruno. No, I know, I know. Um, it is tough when Kevin De Bruyne is injured, so you can't really include him on the list. Yeah, and I, I'm not. I think I, I think fucking um, Declan Rice is better than him. Yeah, Declan's been unfucking believable. To be honest, he's been he, he's he's proven himself. I'll tell you the fuck what I did not have him this high in my personal fucking ranking. As he has reached so far. Has he been? Well, with James Madison's injury, if that continues, like I would say James Madison was the best signing of the summer. Has Declan been the best signing of the summer? He has to be in the top. I'm sorry. I keep doing these top whatever lists. He has to be like the least top three. I would would agree with that. I'd agree with top three for Declan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with top three. But back to Newcastle, Chelsea. I mean, uh, I mean, Eddie Howe's fixed Joe Linton. Joe Linton is actually a terrifying striker. I last year I would have been like midfielder, midfielder. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry, I uh, my my positional awareness is also falling <laughs> <laughs> apart. Um, I don't know, man. Their goal differential is great. I just think they've had a few just major fuck-ups at the back, but I mean, because last season was just all about their defense. Their defense was unbelievable yeah. with Pope and Trippier and uh, their two giant center backs, but now it's kind of like kind of falling to the wayside, but they are score. I think they're much more lethal on the final third. Okay, so the, all right, so this is for me, for only me and me alone, and this is how I rank players. 
and teams. Manchester United. Newcastle ahead or below New, uh, Manchester United? Oh, that's tough. I see them pretty similar at the same point. I probably give the edge to United, but I don't feel but good about much. But I, I don't. I, much. I don't. I don't feel good about it either. Um, so that's because I because I, I kind of like the attack on Newcastle much more. I, and I I totally agree that that was the purpose of it. Like if I, I'm picking I, over Rashford, Anthony, Garnacho, Martial, I'm definitely taking Isak and all those guys. I, I I totally agree with you. It's wherever However, else I'm not sure. Oh, I, I'm gonna stand with the with the belief, the assumption that Newcastle's midfield and forwards are better than Manchester United's forwards. But over a 38 game stretch, where do I see the two teams? I see Manchester United 10 points above Newcastle. I see them both in Europe. Different. Agreed. Guys. Agreed. Absolutely. But I still see Manchester United, who is admittedly a bang average team. But because of the 38 game season, because of the three competitions that we are both involved in, uh, Carabao, FA, uh, Champions League. I see a 10-point difference at the end of the season. So that's why I can't give Newcastle the flowers just quite yet. I don't but know. I th- I I'll think tell it's you very- the fuck what. 2010 Manchester City. That's what Newcastle is right now. They are scary. It is more just about that lingering giant that is vastly approaching. Seeing what they did last year to this year and... You know, I love Eddie Howe, but imagine if you got like an Enchilati in there or you got like a Zidane. Also, shout out. uh, I always not forget, but it's like with all this turmoil going on in Everton, it is very funny to think that Enchilati was was there. (laughs) And did great. He did great. He did pretty good with what he he was given. But that that is just like a a, a fucking. That's like I saw Madonna walking down the street. What? No, that's yeah. a, that's a serious like. What it's like fuck? I saw Leonardo DiCaprio in one of those shitty new Netflix shows. It's like, no, you didn't. Like he only does like Oscar movies. You know what I mean? Like, what is what is going on there? Daniel, so for Dave- me, that was that was for me Bullet Train and Brad Pitt, which was oh. a Netflix original, I believe it was at least. Um, it it was Sony. I actually really much enjoyed that oh, movie. I I love that movie. That's but Sony and Netflix have like an agreement. They put a lot of their movies on there. I didn't like, know that. That's like, cool. Like across the Spider Verse, that's Sony. That's why that went to Netflix first. Like, stuff ah, like that. fucking the more I follow, I, I I follow a lot of stuff where I figure out who is making it. Like Searchlight Films is through Fox, and that goes to Hulu. So anything's a Searchlight film that'll go to Hulu first. Uh, if it's Warner Brothers, obviously that'll go to HBO. I, I follow all those things, so I know exactly when things hit streaming. So so that's the. <laughs> So, ironically enough, Whitney and I do the exact, my wife and I do the exact same thing, um, except for uh, grocery stores. And we oh. figure out who's owned by who. And so who gets the actual good shit, um, even if it's like Winn-Dixie. Winn-Dixie, for example, is owned by Publix. So technically, if you go to Winn-Dixie, you can get the exact same meat that you're paying triple the amount at Publix for. They're just not going to have as much of an assortment. So, 
Movies, films, soccer clubs, it's all the same. Grocery stores, yeah. Well, I work in grocery, so I get to Oh, learn. yeah, you know that, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I don't really follow, because my customer is giant, and I'm not going to say anything, because I don't want to reveal any inner secrets Dude. or anything like that, but it's just very interesting. To, I love uh, them. That was my first grocery store. Yeah, no, Giants. Uh, I'm about to be a corporate shill. Giant, my favorite. I go there all the time. I love them. <laughs> go to Giant. Uh, yeah. Go to, go, go to, if you're in the Northeast, go to Giant. Um, but it is interesting once you start working in the industry, knowing how things get the shelves and go to warehouses and stuff like that. How the how they make the hot dog. Um, mm. Oh, yes. Speaking of which, this is a total aside. We'll talk about this more off the podcast than on the podcast i'm part of a class action lawsuit against one of my distributors oh shit you get some money no no oh (laughs) not me personally my my business um um is part of a class action lawsuit against tucker automotive because tucker automotive sold their company essentially shut down all accounts historic accounts and um now half of the items that were on tucker.com are no longer available on their new um mother store and so there is a legitimate class action lawsuit going around trying to get uh signatures um to proceed um that i am a part of against tucker oh all alleged obviously but um i don't want to get a cease and desist in the mail from tucker automotive um but damn, that's pretty cool. Yeah, random aside, random aside. Okay, um, <laughs> I, I I just want to do a brief uh, mention of the Arsenal-Brentford game. This is the game that put Arsenal at the top of the table for November. I will say a thousand more times on this pod. Um, Kai Havertz, okay, he did it. He got a 89th minute winner for us, which, goddamn, Martin, I never thought I would be saying. Uh, this was what felt like a trap game. I heard, I saw a few of my friends say this. This feels like a huge trap game. Arsenal could take the top of the table, but they lose to Brent. They draw to Brentford, whatever. Um, but hell, we stuck. We 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 held on. Uh, we had a goal disallowed, which was fucking bullshit. And <laughs> Okoye Saka continuing to be our assist maestro as Odegaard continues to struggle since he signed that ting. Um, but yeah, I'm just so happy for Kai Havertz. It seems like the fan base who was once calling him, including myself, what the fuck? Why do we spend this much money? Um, I was initially like, oh, maybe he was just a ugly duckling at Chelsea. Arteta can fix him. And I was actually pretty excited. As time went on, I'm like, what does he do well? He just passes sideways. I don't know. Um, I think this is great for his confidence. I think this is great for the team's confidence um, as we continue to mix up our lineups. And, you know, it was an ugly win. 1-0. Brentford are so organized, Martin. Them at the back. Fucking bend me. God damn it. Bend me over. Um, just they're so a tight-knit group that I, I, I do believe we will see them in the Premier League. Hopefully this doesn't age like milk uh, in the for a couple years now because I think they are that organized and that good um, and can produce some really amazing uh, uh, football. But you know what? I'll, 1-0. Dirty win. If you're going to go on and uh, contend for a title these are the matches you look back on and be like we got that one yeah and and that's what i'm going to talk about is this arsenal squad and i i think i think about this time in the past four years 
we've talked about the team that went on to win the Premier League and said how they did not fucking look good, but they burned out results. And this is the biggest compliment I can give this Arsenal squad. Where they don't look great. You know, they aren't running away with games. But they are winning and taking points from every game imaginable. And that's what makes a champion in this modern age. So, you know, I I don't think... You know, look at Liverpool. I think uh, Liverpool is a a perfect counterexample. When Liverpool won the league, I don't think that was Liverpool's best squad. You know, I think their best squad was 2018-2019, no doubt about it. They were definitely the most fun. Yes, absolutely. And when they finally won, when they finally brought those trophies home, I don't think they were the best squad, but they won all those ugly games. And I think that is the trajectory that Arsenal is on right now where you have undoubtedly phenomenal playmakers like uh, Martin Odegaard, who does not appear to be performing week in and week out, but they get the motherfucking job done. And that's what champions do. So if I had to pick a year over the past three years that I see the best case scenario for Arsenal, it is this year right now here yeah i i really do think we have a real chance and i'm not trying to be hyperbolic and be like what do you mean i'm like we had a chance last year so i'm using the evidence from last year to say that this is giving me enough hope to be like i think we do have a pretty good chance not only because we are doing so well but man city keeps slipping and i we will obviously get to the liverpool man city match where i'm sure people are like how long am i into this fucking podcast and you guys haven't talked about that match but hey it's our show whatever um oh, so uh we're cutting an hour's worth of stuff that we just talked about randomly before yeah. we even started podcasting. So you're welcome. You're, you're welcome. So, you're so welcome. Um Leah just hi, got Leah. Home. Uh, Martin <laughs> Leah uh, Martin says hi. <laughs> she uh, waved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um no, I I do think we do have a few issues in terms of the strikeable strikeable striker for Gabriel <laughs> Jesus got subbed off. Um, Trissard, I prefer off the bench, even though his goal was disallowed. I, I love Trissard. I do think he is such a great add off the bench, but it is with Martin Odegaard struggling, like you're saying, and like we're both saying, it has been nice to have another creative person in there. It sucks that Vieira got that red card the other day, I believe, and he's not able, you know, I think he's been able to be a nice plus add as well for creativity in that midfield, but I don't know. I, I think, you know, Saka got the... Uh, man of the match for this and i do believe that he has just been mr consistency just goal or assist especially with his assists in the past couple games that have been so so clutch um i i i really don't understand people when they talk anything poorly about Saka. i think he's just been absolutely phenomenal for us this season and definitely been our probably our player of the season um i will have to say ramsdale did give me a few heart attacks during this game um, I need to really understand what is going through his head. Like he was trying to play it up from the back and literally just gave it to the Brentford strike uh, player. Um, there was that weird interview that came out with him being like, yeah, you know, I can't stay. It was the interview with Ian Wright just for context. And Rams was like, yeah, I can't concentrate during the game. So that's why I'm like looking at the crowd and tagging and stuff like that. And everyone's just like, what do you need to like watch family guy clips while you play? <laughs> Like to stay like so you don't, you know, get distracted. Like you're a goalkeeper. You need to be like on it the entire time, man. Yeah, and and you know, 
if you listen to the podcast at all this uh, season, Kevin and I both were questioning both the purchase of David Rea um, and the immediate playing of David Rea. And, and I think this is what the teams who win silverware does. They take a problem that has not been shown in the fandom eye. Um, Aaron Ramza, Ramsdale, for it. Uh, instance. I don't think we saw anything wrong with Ramsdale's play last season. Yeah. But I guarantee you if we took the time and looked at the distribution of David Rea, the reaction times of David Rea, um, as well as the decisions he's made under um, pressure from David Rea compared to Aaron Ramsdale, I think every single fucking stat line will show us that David Raya should be playing. And I think that's what the best teams do. Um, Manchester City is the best example of it um, with Joe Hart, Claudio Bravo, and Fonley Ederson. Yeah. And if 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 the rumors are to believed, you guys are already in a market for another goalkeeper. So, you know, as much of a chaotic environment it portrays from the outside looking in, I think Arteta and Arsenal know exactly, exactly what they're doing here. And I think they're using um, Aaron Ramsdale to jump back into the squad to raise his value. So there is not a profit loss. There is not a transfer loss in a fiscal standpoint. Also, his they... confidence as well. Exactly. I, mean, exactly. I, don't, I don't know. If, I, I'm pretty plugged into some of the Arsenal drama. Apparently, his father has come out with some comments upset about the benching and you know, I, I don't I don't think everything is great. And then I think as you can see, the play has been affected by all this. Yeah, and uh, and so I think everything done behind the scenes, whether it's with Martin Odegaard and, and getting him back to full strength or for Aaron Ramsdale and, and uh David Raya or for Julian Timber, who's who's been hurt since uh early September. Yeah, he's gonna I be think, out the whole season. Sucks. Yeah, but I think everything behind the scenes at Arsenal is Going smoothly. You yeah. Know, they, they have winning helps. If you win, it helps. <laughs> it fucking helps. And 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 I apologize. I'm gonna go back to Manchester United real quick. But look at Manchester United over the past six games. If you take the past six games on six games alone, Manchester United is top of the league. It is all about confidence and getting into that rhythm. And once you're into that rhythm, then you can make those alterations. Then you can find the little teams. shit disappears. Yep, exactly. And I think that's where Arsenal is right now. You know, they've had a year of quote unquote success. And now we're fiddling. Now we're we're fine tuning. We're finding the best bits that work the best. And so, you know, obviously there's going to be hurt feelings with Ramso. Obviously there's going to be hurt feelings in the midfield. But as a manager, you need to make those tough decisions. If you want to win, you will see this for years. I mean, probably even with you, you're like, maybe De Gea should have left maybe a year earlier or. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'd still, I, dude, I, I miss the shit out of David. I miss I, him so fucking much. I am I, so. Maybe, nervous. maybe, maybe a bad example. I'm trying to think of another. Um, I don't know. Bravo. Bravo and uh, Joe Hart and Ederson. Yeah. I think is the best example I can come up with, 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 you know, just the, you've got the mainstay. And and Joe Hart, you've got the newcomer who's doing above and beyond in Claudio Bravo, but gets benched for his faults, his individual faults. 
And then you find the fucking marquee, the perfect selection for that position. It's in your system, the passing. Exactly. The, uh... And I, I think that is the stage that Arsenal is at right now. Um, you know, if I'm being completely honest, I, I, okay, if I was a betting man, which I am, I'd put money on Arsenal winning this year. But emotionally, I see Arsenal winning not this year, not next year but the year after that, because that's when their squad is going to be fully developed in the vision that Arteta sees. And I think the results are showing that. I really fucking do. Yeah. Um, I hate that because I'll be like 32 or something. So dude, um, fuck, dude. So maybe not. Let's, let's win it this year for Kevin's 30th. Um, how about that? It's in May. It's in May. It better Let's be celebrate. this year. I will, it I better will. be this year. <laughs> it all makes sense. The prophecy has come true. Uh, a ginger will be born in Chester, Pennsylvania. And, in May. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Uh, let's get to the final game I want to talk about. Uh, Man City, Liverpool. 1-1. Dramatic game. Erling Holland scores fucking again. Whatever. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold with the uh, draw-making goal. I don't know if that's how you people say it that way. Whatever. Um, assisted by Mohamed Salah, who I thought was actually very good this game. Um, I thought Trent defensively wasn't actually that good. That goal made up for a lot because Doku is still phenomenal. But it does seem like there's just a lack of creativity from Man City. They did have a few, I would say, uh, instances go against them in this match but again whenever these two games do these two guys play uh i don't know it's always just just from the drama from darwin nunez chirping pep at the end and just i don't know it's it's always fantastic to see that this this match usually lives up yeah to me anyway i thought this was a very entertaining match yeah i i, I did as well and you know i i think we are in a season where this city squad is not at their creme de la creme um, of ability. And I think it is because of one big missing name in Kevin De Bruyne. Um, and I, I think that, you know, if we if we measure and if we compare the last five years of Manchester City, I think undoubtedly this is the worst Manchester City squad. However, I think, you know, this is, again, the worst Liverpool squad. But they are still... Just that echelon above the rest. They're in another tier still. Exactly. Like, exactly. Like, a lot of people would kill themselves to be this this good. This good on any given weekend. And it doesn't matter if it's a rival rivalry game like it was this past weekend or if you are playing Brentford. Like you they those two teams have this innate amount of skill and belief that it's gonna make it a great matchup no matter what. And that's what we saw. Um, so the, the, you know, the cynicism in me is, is looking for faults of both teams. And in Manchester city, I see it in, in the lack of Kevin De Bruyne, but for me, I'm, I'm going to focus on Liverpool here. I still see a, a giant shortcoming in this Liverpool side that is just about the size of 2021 Salah. You know, I think Salah can do so fucking much for this Liverpool squad, but Salah can no longer carry this Liverpool squad. Mm. So, so I don't, I don't see their ceiling. I don't, I don't see them winning titles. I don't see them winning trophies. 
I think that they are in a quasi rebuilding phase still, but they yeah, are the best at rebuilding. They, they got, I mean, I think they got to work on the midfield. I think definitely keep keep uh, uh, Sabasley. I think that's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. He, Sabatio. I think, Sabatio, yeah, Dom. I just call him Dom. Um, McAllister has been kind of disappointing. I think he wasn't that good this match. Uh, Curtis Jones, I, I don't think he's a guy. Big average. Bang average. He, he's not a guy for Liverpool. Like he'd he probably be Henderson without Henderson's presence. Uh, um, uh, presence, yeah, presence. Also, Henderson, great situational awareness. Not really great with the physical abilities, but I think he was able to always be in the right place at the right time. Um, Can I bring one fucking throwback uh, player in here that I would say is a perfect Pep Guardiola player? Who? My new. Oh, my new. Wow. He's a Manchester United player. He was supposed to start this season, obviously got injured. The game against Everton. Go back and just watch every single touch by Kobe Mainu. That is a Pep Guardiola player player through and motherfucking through. And I think that is what Pep needs. You know, I, I think I think he's got him in Doku. I think he's got him in Julian Alvarez. I think he's got him in Jack Grealish, Phil Foden. However, when you only have Rodri in that back line of your midfield, the transition between your defense to your forwards is just that much slower compared to having Kevin De Bruyne in your midfield. And I think that is why we're showing, we're seeing Holland kind of not be as badass as he could. Manchester City not being as badass as they could. Because again, just like Liverpool, this is a kind of quasi-rebuild for Manchester City. You know, they, they're missing their best players between Mahrez and KDB for both very different reasons. But those were their marquee players. Those were the players that could change the game on the head at any fucking second. Yeah, Sterling's gone. Um, yeah, exactly. 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 So I... I, I I think, think Bernardo Silva has still been very phenomenal. Doku has been player on the team, in my opinion. Doku has been great. I need to see some more from Philly Phil. Um, and Rodri is still great. I thought Ake actually did a very good job of locking Agreed. up of locking up Salah for a lot of that game until the end. Kyle Walker is still playing on an unbelievable level. I think Akanji is great. I think Ruben Diaz is. I mean, he's great, but he's declining. If that makes sense at all, so wasn't I, good. I, yeah. Yeah, I think this is, you know, you know, I talked about it when we were talking about Arsenal. I think this city squad is is just as dangerous as any other city squad. And I think they'll continue to get better as the season. You know, Martin, they don't on. get good till after December for some reason. Exactly. And, and then they get great. And then they win 15 in a row. Yeah. So this is this is the time that we ask all the questions and then they prove us wrong in about two months. So, uh. You know, just let us be the mad scientists right now. Do I still think they'll probably win the league? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just, you know, it's nice to have hope for other teams at the moment. Um, All right. So if we don't have any other games to go over, we've been talking about a drafted Premier League 11. Yes. What about we pick one player? Doesn't matter the position. We just keep track of the position we pick every single week we podcast. Oh, okay. And we do weekly updates on it. Okay. And we Uh, build our 11 throughout the week. 
or the the months. Okay. Um, who wants to go first? Let's uh, let's. All right, evens or odds? Evens. Wait, Kevin. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, y'all can't see. I literally just put my hand behind my head and Kevin went with evens. Okay, okay, right, okay. Ready? Three, two, one, go. Evens. Damn. Okay, you go first. All right. Martin put a one, by the way, out sorry, uh, from behind his head for context. That's why Martin <laughs> is context. going first. He won the coin flip. Go ahead. All right. Um, I'm just going to lock down Roy Keane. I'm just going to lock him down in my center defensive mid. You're number one overall. Roy Keane. Um, I'm thinking Thierry Henry, obviously. Okay. Fair, fair, fair. I like that. I like okay. that. All right. Roy Keane versus Thierry Henry, week one. Yeah. Oh, do I have to say where I'm going to put him right now? I guess I guess I'm going to put him at the striker, but I did position. You're going to put him in up top? You're going to put him at the striker, center forward? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to put him there. Yeah. Are, right, we, doing, doing a, are we doing 4-3-3? Three, three. Three? Yeah, I'm doing um, a 4-3-3. Three, three. I guess I could put him on the left, too. Um, mm, yeah, I'm gonna put him at left wing. Yep. All right, left wing. I'm I'm taking my center defensive mid, Roy Keane. Okay. All right, week one. Week one All in right. the books. I like it. Okay, guys. Well, we'll keep this bit going. We'll try to keep track of who we have. Um, and we'll catch you on for next week. So we love you and uh, bye bye. I'll be your dream, I'll be your wish, I'll be your fantasy. I'll be your hope, I'll be your love, be everything that you need. I love you more with every breath, truly, madly, deeply do. I will be strong, I will be faithful, cause I'm counting on a new Thank you.